So on today's show, we're going to be talking with David Irvine from the Made Safe Project. And I may, I may be mistaken there because I'm seeing that it might be changed to the Safe Network Project. Or well, what's the actual project called? Now, the project itself is Safe. The Safe Network Made Safe is the company behind. We, we're the ones that started the whole thing off, really. Uh, so we're we're almost like the core developers, although we we try quite hard to make sure there's community involvement and it's not we don't want to be the only people doing uh, the programming we want that to be as decentralized as possible so so made safe if you like are the ones a company that are pushing this project uh, along with the community now so the project is actually called the safe network project the safe network forum and the safe network community are are really where it's all happening now. Did you start this project because of Bitcoin or was this something that happened before Bitcoin? It was before Bitcoin. It was way, way back in about 2002 or something. I was playing about with uh, some server-based things and created a, an all-in-one server and then realized that if everybody had the same servers, why do you not back each other up? And then it was like, well, why do you need servers at all? If computers could back each other up and you know, I just spiraled from there to MadeSafe being set up in 2006. And then Bitcoin came along a few years later, and that was quite encouraging because it it's the same sort of idea. Like Bitcoin's more monetary. It's very much financial focused, as you know, but it's the same sort of idea as remove the middle middlemen or the intermediaries from finance. And what I, I've always wanted to remove the intermediaries from data because i think data is probably one of the most valuable commodities so is that what the whole um the whole point of the project actually is is to decentralize the internet or can you give yeah. us a little spiel maybe <laughs> yeah it's funny you say decentralized internet and that's what i say as well and it's quite right and then people will be pedantically saying the internet's not what you're decentralizing it's the web services on top of it and you get into all those semantic uh crazy discussions but yeah it's it's pretty much decentralizing all of the internet services that we currently have so i mean things like facebook google and all these companies nobody ever really asked these people to take control of our data and take it off us and then allow us maybe to access it or not and really my own opinion is it's not in their interest to have our data anyway uh, but they have had the data and it's been a simple business model to basically steal from people and that's the way i see it it's straightforward theft um but these these companies should be able to survive and provide services on top of the internet without having to take your data and that's that's really where the safe network comes in it's the people's data belongs to them you don't get that <laughs> you're not allowed to get into people's houses and suck their brains out <laughs> so you basically can supply services that's fine but come up with a business model which isn't uh, a privacy invasion and most people don't even think twice about that they're just like all right here here you go here's all my data <laughs> yeah well that's it and i think it's it's a lot more dangerous and subtle than many people realize and <clears throat> basically one way I look at it is just break it down into logic. Just take the whole internet, for instance. And if you had, like years and years ago, realized that 
all computers will eventually be connected to each other, which they are. And if you said to an engineer in Engineering 101 class, okay, let's allow them to store data and share communications and talk with each other, the very last thing you would do is put a server in there. So it's almost like uh, we get brought up with cars that had square wheels and we thought, oh, let's build faster cars with square wheels. And Long says, hang on a second, the square wheel thing's a bit crazy. How are you going to move with square wheels? Yeah, and we're kind of coming along and saying, hang on a second, the server thing's a bit crazy, you know, you're giving away. And now I think you're starting to see stories like um, post Snowden and, and even prior to that where it's extremely dangerous and it can be used to manipulate people. You've seen things in Facebook and various other companies where mass manipulation is quite simple now. And that that's quite a difficult thing to explain to people because as you say, it's subtle. People don't understand the depths of the problem there. So we've we've taken a different approach from a lot of other companies that do, like even Tor or whatever. And our approach is put this network out in a way where people are just getting applications. They don't even know that they're using a secure private network. They just see applications that are better, faster, and free, free of charge. So when they download them and run them, then suddenly realize, oh, my computer's been on for a while and a wallet's popped up and it's just earned me money. You know, and that, that's our sort of approach to it. It's not it's not to mass educate people, it's just to give a better experience. And then with that better experience, hopefully will come the story of, well, actually, there's a lot more to this than what, what you've just experienced. It's This is actually going to improve your life and protect your, your thoughts and your data and your children's thoughts and their data and so forth. So that, I think, will force business models which are much more inclusive because at the moment, maybe you can't sell a T-shirt to some person in Rwanda or some very far away place that's a poor country. So we don't bother targeting internet to those people. Say, ah, well, just leave them off. You know, they're, they're not part, part of our profit. Uh, they're not going to help our bottom line profit margin, so let's just ignore them. And But if you force a change of business model saying, well, data is the important thing, the consumption and creation of data, if you go to one of these several billion people who aren't on the internet just now and allow them to participate properly, they might cure some disease, they might come up with brand new innovations, they might improve everyone's life, just like anyone can in today's global society. So <clears throat> that's one element of it, I think, which is a big driving force for us. Yeah. The other sort of element is at the moment, if you try to compete with Facebook, say or Dropbox or one of these companies, you would need to spend millions in infrastructure costs as a developer. But with the safe network, you could come up with a Dropbox type thing, a Facebook type thing, a discourse forum. That would be no problem. The, the, all of your customers, if you like, your users, you're probably giving it away for free anyway, but your users bring their own infrastructure. The users are the infrastructure. Suddenly starts making a lot of sense. So people will actually be able to develop apps, on, like app applications on the Safe Network project? Yeah, at the moment, even in the community, there's been, there's been a few sort of crowdfunding uh, projects going on. So there's one which is Discourse, which is a, basically it's a 
it was start. It looked as though it was going to be a just a blogging sort of framework, a discourse type uh, forum framework, and that looks like that project's going to be an awful lot bigger and maybe allow things like social networks and and whatnot there. Then there's other projects that are not in crowdfunded. There's, uh, I think there's about five or six projects going on just now. We're actively encouraging that. Cool. And cool. Even to the extent where. We, we're encouraging people to do core development to compete with us. Say, look, you're not really competing with us because if there's 10 made safes, we're, we're, the world's a better place. Before we get into even more specifics about the safe network client or anything, I wanted to talk about the actual token, the digital token, made safe coin. Yeah, made safe coin. That's, that's, yeah, that's, it's an interesting thing because it's actually something that's a, it's an asset in itself. Uh, prior to, we were we were actually bringing out uh, the sort of made safe coin well before the Bitcoin thing happened, and there was all sorts of issues with it. About, oh, we can't we can't educate people about this. And initially, what the network did was, when you ran a vault, for instance, you would get a certificate, and with that certificate and your client, you could prove to the network that you had given resources, and then the network would allow you to. So you gave ten meg, say, or ten gigabytes. And you would get a certificate for that from the network. And you're, as a user, then you could store whatever 10 gigabytes of data. And then, and you, then get, you get rewarded for that? Yeah. So as your computer's on, you know, you're, you're always providing resource to the network, and the resource rewards that. So prior to us having this made safe coin or safe coin, it would be your computer would be on, and you would get the reward, like whatever it was. 10 gigabytes of space to use. But with SafeCoin, what happens is you put your computer on and you've got a token now. And that token can be purchased by anyone. And they they can use the resources that your computer supplied, if you like. But you've obviously been paid for that. So SafeCoin, from that perspective, works as a way of amortizing the resources that the network's got available amongst all of the people that want to use it, which nice. is particularly interesting. It's a, it's a, so from that perspective, like from cryptocurrency type perspective, it's a real sort of utility-based uh, currency, if you like, which I find that quite attractive. But there's an interesting thing, although MadeSafe is part of this whole cryptocurrency community, nobody MadeSafe trades. <laughs> We're <laughs> never on these uh, things that you know these uh, exchanges and whatnot because we're just way 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 far too busy doing what we're doing so it's actually quite interesting because if you can watch it from a bit of a distance the whole thing because you hear new words like pump and dump and all this sort of you know everything's a scam and all and, and you can watch from the side and think ah, that's quite bizarre and the beauty of some of these crypto currency projects is the supporters are very close to the project and the yeah. danger of these projects are the supporters and their enemies are very close to the project so you get people just spewing stuff left right and center and and it's good and bad i mean some it's good to have so many eyes on a project because sometimes you get some real insights of well that's an interesting angle or yeah, I never thought somebody could see that as dangerous or that as good or whatever. So you get some real good information, but 
man, you've got some real filtering to do to try and get to that information. So it's quite interesting, but we're we are very lucky because on, on our forums, for instance, the, the currency part of it is pretty separated from what it is we're trying to do because it's almost like there's a there's a notion of what you're trying to do is bigger than the currency. If you're going to protect everyone's data and allow people to innovate and maybe like, there's certain medical things that we're looking at as well that if you're, I mean, I, I used to say to people when they were uh, looking at investing in the company prior to prior to like 2014, like return on investment. What if we what if we put this out and what if this works and what if some person and some bush in Africa leaps up with a laptop that we're able to go on the internet and had cured cancer? Yeah, actual return on investment. This this oh I made ten percent here and got two percent there or who cares about that? I'm I'm really not all that interested in that side of it. So the the vision of Made Safe is really crucial, the kind of privacy, security, freedom for everyone in the world, regardless. Don't care if you're good, bad, and different. Who knows what good, bad, and different means? Yeah. yeah. Has been a real driving force for us. And it's the currency side of it, we think, yeah, that's very interesting. It allows us to do certain things. It's good to see all these projects and all this innovation happening. Uh, that that's fantastic, but the currency side of it for us is is probably way further down the list of priorities than it is for a lot of projects. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You, <laughs> you kind of look at these projects nowadays, and it's like they you can't just call them a crypto coin, you know? Like it's, yeah. more, it's more than that. Yeah, and I think that's quite a lot of interest in. I mean. Like even Ethereum with all the different Ethereum things that's going on and different Ethereum type projects. That's interesting. The the even in our space, there's things like IPFS, which is no coin, which they might be introducing for you know, whatever reason. And then there's another couple of projects, storage is one and Saya coin. So there's there's a bunch of things that happen and all of these all of these projects actually are quite interesting but a lot of them focus very much on the coin and really i would prefer to see people saying what what is it what's the problem you're trying to solve what 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 drives you in the morning because see if what drives you in the morning is being ten dollars richer that night well i'm not interested yeah not interested. go and rob a rob a bank it's much simpler to make money robbing a bank you know, a, a startup has got like a ninety percent failure rate. Only sixty percent of bank robbers get huckled. So, if you're good at arithmetic, don't do startups to make money. Do it. Do something to make a difference. And really, if you don't start with that drive to make a difference, just stop. You know, the quick buck thing. <laughs> sort of like the the late nineties. The dot com bubble that was all quick buck stuff and that just explodes and crashes so you really need deep conviction to change a, a, something in society and you see a lot of projects now starting to look a little bit more that direction so they're kind of starting off by saying well this this is what we want to solve yeah and that that's that's encouraging to start seeing that I wanted to talk a little bit about the safe network client because I, I did actually yesterday I downloaded the safe network launcher. I think you guys have it in alpha right now. 
Uh, the inter- oh, yeah, excellent. Yeah, the interface was pretty easy to use. Uh, I didn't get much further than just clicking around. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about what the client's purpose is. Yeah, well, basically, this is something that we are, and again, it's a kind of made safe thing. We're, we're not trying to take over the world. So one of the big debates we have in, in-house just now, so the launcher basically is a, is a way for applications to get on the safe network and use it through a REST interface, which is really easy to use if you're a developer. It's just a pure RESTful interface. So that that's something that we've created, and it allows you to log in. And so you log in once to the launcher, and you can authorize applications. Great. In terms of the application, the client app demo that we've got at the moment, that's something and people keep saying well we can make it better and we can make it better and we we kind of keep pushing back saying but we don't want to make it at all it's just an example <laughs> so but in saying that what you can do with it at the moment is just that demo and it literally is to allow developers to see how to use api uh, with that demo app you can log in it creates your id and that's your account on the network and then you can store private data and retrieve private data from any computer. There's no trace of in that computer. And if you store public data, you can then go to the website tab and say that you want to publish a service and name that service whatever you want. So www would be the default. And if it's HTML, it'll be a website. If it's a document, a Word document or something, it'll be, you know, whatever it is. So you can store store and share any public data yeah for and you can do you can so you can create this website if you like with a public name and well this is alpha testing so it won't be for life right now but on the network that's it for life and it just takes a few seconds there's nobody you're not asking can i register dns can i do this can i give you credit card information because nobody knows you've done that just you it's all decentralized yeah, completely decentralized, and that—that's an important thing for us. And, yeah, you know, people. I, I, I've got a hypothetical. Maybe we could talk about it real fast. I don't know if you've heard of Dash yet. They're building something uh, which they call Evolution, and basically, it's going to be cryptocurrency for your your grandma. It's going to be like a nice front end, easy to use wallet uh, with usernames, uh, things of that nature. Do you think it would be possible for the Dash developers to build evolution on the safe network? I think for sure it's a, it's a very, from the kind of user side of things, they, I think they've got a very similar approach to us. It's look, It doesn't matter how fantastic this stuff is and the technology is, it really has to be a pleasure to use. You shouldn't be installing servers and doing all sorts of weird stuff. It's just be click, run it, and that's it. Yeah. And I think... From that perspective, there's definitely crossover. And in sort of deeper technology perspective, I, I think I don't know exactly what what would be uh, synergetic and what wouldn't, but certainly it's from that that whole usability perspective, I think we're both right on the same track. And I would I would say we're both on the right track because uh, the biggest biggest I think one of the shames about this whole crypto thing is it's got the word crypto in it. It's almost like don't use me on very complicated no. currency. And I wish that some of these things just weren't called crypto at all. And that the things like wallet just be a wallet. It's just be a wallet for, for money. 
that's what it should be. So I, I, I would say there's probably some crossover there for sure. Yeah. I've read a blog on madesafe.net actually, and it was about uh, mesh networking. And so I wanted to know if you can tell me a little bit about why something like that is important and also how it going to help you build a secure decentralized internet infrastructure. And I'm quoting that directly from the blog. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's, there's two, there's, if you look at the whole safe network thing, I think what we're saying is we're pretty confident that we can secure the network and we can secure the data and anonymize people's use of it and give physical security. So loads of really good things. So I won't list all the good things. It's not, but then the other side of it, we're still in research. So there's two areas in particular that I, that are still a problem that we don't solve. We haven't tried to solve yet. <clears throat> and really this is where, this is where we keep saying, look, this is bigger than made safe. It's bigger than probably the safe community. And the two areas that we would really like to look at is one is mesh networking or something that would allow communities and groups to get onto the internet without an ISP. The ISP, the weird saying we're trying to remove all the intermediaries, we can't remove the ISP at the moment. We still have to go through some kind of gatekeeper onto the internet. Once you're on the internet, it's fine. You're no problem. You can shoot about everywhere. And the safe network allows this extreme security there, but we can't do anything about the ISPs just now. So mesh networking is a is an area that's real interesting. That and some of the CubeSat satellite stuff and all the rest of it. If we could somehow remove this ISP guardian technology, that would allow us all to be a little bit more secure. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you. <laughs> yeah, the other side as well. That, so there's two things. So one is ISPs are still, I think, an issue and have to be solved. Mesh is good for that. The other one is end user hardware. So if you're on a Windows machine with a keylogger or Apple, whatever, something with yeah. like a keylogger, it almost becomes irrelevant for people, even 2F8. Two-factor authentication and all this sort of stuff—that is not by any means. It's absolutely, definitely not a pill that solves this problem. Yeah. End-user end security or endpoint security is going to become, I think, a lot more vital because if we can secure the network and can secure all of the data and communications, it really leaves very little attack vector for bad actors or bad government agencies except endpoints and yeah endpoints it's much harder to go after everybody's computer but yeah. it, it's still going to be a, a part of the attack vector that's open and, and we're pretty keen to look at things there and there, there are lots of things you could do you can have these usb sticks you can do lots and lots and lots of different things but a bit like the applications that we're talking about built it's hard your granny couldn't take a usb stick and boot up a tv and have a remote keyboard or something so there, there is still that those are the two issues that i would be keen that projects really looked at solving and so mesh and endpoint security for sure i recently uh, attended the d10e conference in san francisco and i had a chance to meet john mcafee and 
watch him give a speech actually and his his whole spiel or his whole speech was about the actual hardware and how it's absolutely not secure no matter what you think if you have to put a password in if you have to put a seed key in more than once or anything like that he says your your coins or your whatever you have a value on your device can be taken or stolen or hacked what or whatever so <clears throat> i think that kind of ties into what you were just talking about with the hardware and yeah, I, I believe he actually has started a, a company from what i've read where he's going to try to develop some kind of like device or phone that is a hundred percent secure or something. His reasoning for this was he said, uh, he said he's always the first person to get hacked. You know, like he puts Bitcoin or something on the, onto his phone and it's, it's gone like that is what he says basically. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one. Cause the, the thing for us to like bring in this sort of network security is we're replacing things and making it cheaper and all the rest of it. But the hardware thing's a real problem because you're almost having to ask somebody to purchase this other piece of hardware. So there's this real barrier to entry there. Even and I think even things like Blackphone and whatnot have recently seen that yeah, you could provide what they said was a very secure phone. I'm not hundred percent convinced it was, but what they found is people just won't pay for it. Yeah. And there has to be this sort of compelling thing. It has to be better, simpler, easier, faster, cheaper. So what is what is your solution to this problem then? I think the solution to the problem may be abstracting. I mean, one of the things that I'm quite keen on investigating, and I'm not saying it's a solution, would be remote boot of microkernels on a on a network. So you actually just go in through some insecure operating system windows or whatever. And then get to the network and it, it reboots onto some microkernel. So just take over your your operating system. So that would solve some of the operating system issues, like strange keys that are in source code that shouldn't be there. The, what it doesn't get around though is the potential hardware issues. So for us, that endpoint is an interesting thing we made safe is we actually go across routers. Like so, if your router's totally compromised, it doesn't matter. It made safe. It it's encrypted from the start. There's no internet key exchange at the networking level, and that that's really good. So we probably get a solution for compromised routers. I'm fairly sure we have that. All the router sees is encrypted traffic, so it doesn't matter who's yeah. on it. But the the something like a microkernel boot is quite interesting. I think, but when you're looking at things like potentially Intel, and I don't know if it's, but there's been stories about there's potentially something in Intel chips, in the chip itself, in the hardware, in your computer. That that becomes much more tricky, and and how do you fix that? Everybody's got one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's going to cost money. It's going to it's going to really need something to happen. Right. But, changes people's opinion of this sort of stuff but how much they can do with that chip is probably an interesting thing to look deeper at so i i know you you guys you had mentioned you're not like your main priority isn't this coin or anything but i do have a, a few questions about it yeah yeah no problem i think it's the coin <laughs> important though it's 
although it's not a big high priority for us, it, it will become in the next couple of months a really yeah. high priority, without a doubt. So at the moment, how, how it's actually, from what I've read, it's actually a second layer coin on Bitcoin blockchain, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a sort of um, proxy token at the moment. And that, that really was just to allow, well, it's allowed two things. It allowed us to do this crowd sale to get money to develop the thing. It also allowed us to start building a community based around this sort of made safe coin that's out there. Yeah. And then I've I've read that you guys, I don't know when, if, if you could tell us, that'd be rad. If not, it's all good. But all the made safe coins are going to soon be converted to safe coin. Yeah. One-to-one conversion. So made safe coins. So made safe coins at the moment, they're all on a blockchain through the kind of Omni protocol. It doesn't really matter they're through Omni protocol, but they're on a blockchain and when Safecoin itself isn't on a blockchain. That's a decentralized network completely. So you can consider it almost like a blockchain where there's tiny bits of the blockchain all over the network. And that forms a three structure. So those coins, the made safe coins, once the network's up and running and safe coins proven and secure, will be swapped over on a one-to-one basis. <laughs> I've seen a proposal on your guys's forums uh, to develop a safe browser, and it looked like it wasn't like, like you said, you're encouraging outside developers to do things for the project, and it looks like this proposal actually has competing proposals, and it's to develop a a safe network browser. Yeah, and that, that's quite a good one. It looks like it's there's it's down to just one proposal now because some of the other proposals said, yeah, that's that's very good that one and everybody's putting their putting their cash in it's just forum members this is the sort of a couple of different ways that things happen in the safe network one we're identifying these core things that we need like a browser you know various core components and we just ask the community to donate to those so it's not a crowd sale type thing or anything and the community choose which they think is the best uh, request or the best proposal and then we have got this pot of five million safe coins and we top those proposals up so we'll add at least 50 percent or at most 50 percent of the the money that's required to build it and then those third party people build the, the product and it becomes part of the core so that's a that's a really good one in terms of uh, projects working together because that's based on Beaker, which actually is a browser that other projects like IPFS and that and stuff are using. So we'll be we'll be actually doing that with them. So lots of projects should get a benefit from that. Is that is that things being funded more? And that's that's really that's hugely encouraging. You can see people just saying, "Yeah, this will make our life better. Let's do it." <laughs> for sure can you give us any like timelines or roadmaps or deadline or uh deadlines sure uh when we can expect some more advanced features come out and not really not really timelines are just a monstrous for us because it's quite a huge proposition but where we are just now now we've passed the kind of alpha a little bit a couple of alpha uh, versions and we are looking internally to just move to a kind of waterfall release cycle so yeah. maybe every four or six or eight weeks. And 
once that cycle starts kicking off, we'll have more of an idea of what we can put in each each release. So I would say the between alpha and alpha one, there's going to be somewhere between four and eight weeks uh, worth of work before yeah. the next alpha comes out. And I'm not too sure what will be in that. I think if we can get to the point before the next alpha of the vaults running from everybody's home and whatnot, then that would be fantastic. Nice. Is the testing for alpha open to the public? It is, yeah. Uh, okay. Anyone can go to the MadeSafe website and just download that. Great. Uh, why don't you just uh, provide us some information about where we can find uh, information about MadeSafe? <laughs> yeah, I think MadeSafe.net is the best uh, way for MadeSafe itself, the company, and the Safe Network Forum is basically just safenetworkforum.org. And that, that's a community-run forum, so that's nothing to do with MadeSafe, although a lot of people from MadeSafe are on. I'm, in particular, I'm on it. I try and answer as many questions as possible there. Yeah. So that's the safenetworkforum.org. And it's run by the community, so they can quite easily kick me off if they don't, if they don't <laughs> like it. And I, I think that's really important. That, and the community seemed to be holding together amazing. I mean, every so often you get a whole bunch of, like, scammers come on and they, they don't seem to last on that forum they kind of fall off again which is nice and and it also encourages people who are real proper critics to come on and, and say look this is what i think and it's why i think there's a problem and and let everyone dive into to logic rather than just this kind of scammy stuff that sometimes happens so yeah. that forum seems to be really really nice it's that's good. I like that you that you invite criticism because is it's not an echo chamber. You're not sitting there, you know, twiddling your thumbs. People telling you, "Yeah, everything you're doing is great." You know, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. You need you need that outside influence, and I think criticism kind of helps there. So it does. It helps hugely, and it's good if you can get that sort of criticism and and have it in a really kind of I don't know, a kind of grown up and grown up way that people can say well no i think this is a problem and let's and they won't let it go you know you can't just say i don't worry about it or whatever and, you know people don't let it go and we've got this rfc process now which really helps so that every every change to the system goes through a kind of request for comment and is detailed what it does what it doesn't do what the limitations are and people dive in and they can they can really look at that and of course, there's hundreds of we we keep getting told there's no peer-reviewed papers and there's peer-reviewed papers, and there's all these patents and everything which they were lodged about ten years ago, and uh, yeah. you know one of the kind of outside criticisms I made say for oh there's nothing written down and you think God we could drown you in what's written down, you know <laughs> Google does work still you know you can still <laughs> use Google. People like to spread FUD. Ah, they do, they do. Usually, usually it's because they're actually, I think it's because there's some jealousy there, you know? Maybe they're they're upset that you guys are having a little bit of success here and there. I think so. I think I wrote a blog post about it on my, my own personal blog about, you know, I think there's three different types of people. There's people that are very critical, and there's people that are not too sure about what you're doing, there's people that are very supportive, and there's three groups in each of those, and... And some people you're just never convinced and it's fine it's okay and some of the it's surprising some of the people who are most supportive all the time can be the most pressure 
because it's just a huge pressure on you. And uh, so criticism is fantastic, but the, I think you have to recognise that there's some criticism where it's just folks shouting to the sidelines and, yeah, very good, very clever. Yeah. You know? And those are the ones that are always, I want a peer-to-peer reviewed paper. And you think, yeah, the Wright brothers did that, didn't they? You know, or like Leonardo da Vinci used to use peer-to-peer stuff. Or Yeah, it's, it's all, there's a time and a place for peer-reviewed stuff. And yeah. There's a time and a place to actually say, well, here's a thing and it just flew. <laughs> you know, you, you work it out. You know, it took science about 100 years to work out that bees could fly just by flapping their wings really fast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And uh, so the peer-to-peer review stuff, I like it. I've been at a couple of conferences. I've seen how some of it works. And it's not every 96% of reviewed papers apparently are junk. Yeah, and everybody yeah. keeps screaming in this community for peer-reviewed papers. And they go, there are peer-reviewed papers, but please don't base something on peer review. Yeah, <laughs> You know, there's all these peer-reviewed papers throughout science about the world being flat and all the rest of it, it really isn't flat, you know. So. I don't think it is. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty, well, you'll know <laughs> when you're surfing. If you if you flip off the end of it, you can let us know. <laughs> if I don't come back in a day or two, I'm, the world is flat. Just that's that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I think it, it is good to have criticism. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's it's it, it takes a lot because if I was to look at, say, Dash or a project like that and think, well, I need to give some critique on that, it would take me months of looking through it in real detail before I would feel confident about saying something about it, good, bad, or indifferent. So people don't take that time. They kind of go on headlines sometimes, and I wish they wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. I'm really actually involved with the Dash community and the project, and I have been for about two years now. And it I'm, seems to be a good community. That you get a feeling from that community that they're pretty inclusive people. And yeah, we we've got a pretty big Slack group actually, and I'm, I'm, I kind of manage that over there. We got a Dash Tip Bot, whole bunch of fun stuff happening over there. But the reason I brought that up is because I'm I actually am an open critic, you know, and I'm not. I don't sit oh, yeah. here and I don't pretend everything's unicorns and rainbows, basically. You no. Know? That's vital if you want success. It's vital that you do that. And oh, I get the impression with the Dash community that they seem to be fairly, uh, fairly balanced and open to looking and saying, "Look, this other project might be better than us at this thing, or this one might be better than yeah." And that's vital. That's really, really encouraging to see that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, do Do you want to tell me if you if you have a list? If you don't, no worries, but. Do you have a list of your five favorite crypto projects? Uh, no, I probably don't have. I've got probably more five scientific things I'm looking at that are yeah. more interesting to me. But I think uh, in terms of crypto projects, I mean, things like, I think there's interesting, Bitcoin is just going to be interesting because it's it's always going to be an interesting project that, because there's some real deep thought went into it and it's it's had all these years and the the codes get reviewed all the time and you can see you can see what's happening there and that you know as it got popular and made money it kind of got a little bit fractious but it feels like something that's quite stable but it's also showing it's showing I don't know I think it's it, it's showing that complete decentralization of people-based work really is very, very difficult. 
you know, to to have some kind of consensus mechanism that allows software to get changed going forward. And I think that's something that really I find quite interesting because MadeSafe is similar. We would want somehow this thing to keep going, definitely without us, but but with maintaining that vision. And so from that perspective, that's quite interesting. I think the Ethereum thing about smart contracts is interesting, but also that, that project's quite interesting in that and its mistakes as much as its good parts. You know, that these are kind of big projects that are good for everyone else to look at, I think, and say, look, there's there's elements here of what you think's right turns out to be wrong. What you think's wrong turns out to be maybe fantastically correct. So there has to be some space, I think, where more testing can get done. But when you introduce people and money into a project that's potentially really valuable for society, yeah. that can enhance it to a great degree or it can absolutely slaughter it and kill it. So the Ethereum thing I'm finding very interesting for that perspective of are people looking to make this thing work because it will be good for everyone or is it a short-term profit for people when so those two projects for sure I think Steemit is something that's actually quite interesting as well but from a completely different perspective of what if you could do something with a utility yeah and, and looking at it I find that quite interesting because it looks like well yeah people can write stuff but it doesn't look like if you took that into the mainstream audience and said just ignore the money here's a platform to write stories on would they use it and i'm not sure that they would so i find that particularly a, an interesting one and as i say i've not looked at dash but i know of, i know dash is sort of sitting on my my sidelines to to take a look at it because it seems to have this sort of stability and and a kind of coherence of thought which Regardless of the technology, I, I kind of like the way that that community feels. Yeah. If you ever want to come and learn and have any questions about Dash, our Slack group is way open, and there's more than enough people over there to help you out. So we're we're here for you if you if you do find the time to yeah. delve into it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, no, I would I would love to at some stage. Time, times are an enemy right now, but I would love to at some stage just to find out more about even things like look, let's work out a way of delivering these executables that are secure, safe, and, you know, auto-update or whatever to people and make it a nice user experience and get a group of us together that are really focused on this ease of use. I think that's massive. Yeah, for sure. Kind of got the same goals in mind, and we want grandma to be able to use this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, definitely don't want to give grandma a Turing complete gas-driven software project. You know, my grandma, actually, she beat the original Nintendo uh, Mario Brothers game. And I was when I heard when I heard she did that, I was freaking amazed. <laughs> so she, my grandma might actually be able to already use this stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we won't use that as an example then. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, David. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say before I let you go? No, I think that, that's everything. I'm more than happy. And uh, any time, just give us a shout. Yeah, thanks again for coming on, man. I'll, I'll be around your guys' forums for sure, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to test some of the software out too, man. So it's been a pleasure. Uh, just take, take care. care. Okay, all the best. And all the best to the Dash team.